Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi guys, welcome Waiting Warriors to another podcast episode. I'm super excited. We have Mikkel Smith. Guys, I've been trying so long and we have been working so hard for like months and months to find our schedule, but it's the epitome of being a Waiting Warrior because we have not been able to rely on our sweet, sweet husbands to help us with the schedule of getting this done so we have had to result in like odd hours but then cancel cancelizations that is not a real word cancelations (laughs) cancelations that's a real word those things have been happening and kids have gotten sick and we've gotten sick and but we are finally no i'm so sorry yes here we are here we are it's it i it really like it hasn't even bugged me at all because, like, yeah, that's just what happens when you the life. Yep. So, welcome, Mikkel. I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. So she is the wife of once an army man and now a police officer slash detective, and those are different, right? Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's a detective. Yes. And that's like a rank, kind of. It's not a rank, it's just um, a separate position, I guess. So he um, is still within the police department and initially was a patrol officer. So, you know, wore the uniform, had the marked car, and then they have, and not only detectives, but they have school resource officers and all these different positions that when they have an opening, any one officer or multiple officers can put in for. And so detective is one of those where he put in for it and went through an interview process and was selected. So now he is no longer on the street. He gets to wear, you know, typical work clothes and has an unmarked car so that people don't know that he's a detective, you know, when they see him on the street. Um, so still under the same umbrella but he's just i like to tell myself he's a little more safe because he's not <laughs> off the street although i don't think that's true but you know, whatever makes you feel better at night that's one of those things for me yeah sometimes we just have to tell ourselves things and it's like it's okay sweetie you don't have to tell me all the truth that's okay right. um okay so you're a wife but you're also a speech-language pathologist. I practice that word, which is funny because the interview that's airing just before this is with another speech pathologist, but she works with children and stuff. Um, And then you're the owner of The Rave. Is that how you say it? Sarah V. Sarah V. Dang it. I've been saying it wrong. It's okay. It's like... Like I'm, oh, you know, oh, it's like, how do you pronounce that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and we're going to talk more about that at the end because that is a really cool resource that I think all waiting warriors and families should know about. So we're going to talk about how we are all in this together. And yes, if you are like me, I might one of the times say like it's high school musical and because my little girls love high school musical and they dance around to it all the time. So they'd be really disappointed in me if I didn't like half sing it just once. But we'll we'll get to that later. That fun. We'll just like be bobbing our heads. We're all in this. And then that like overhead clap. We all know that dance move. Yes. Awesome. Okay, we're all on the same page. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's on Netflix. You're welcome. So so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're not just a wife and a speech therapist, but tell us about, tell us about Mikhail. What's your story? My story. Oh gosh, that's a hard question. I'm never very good at talking about myself. Um, so I'm also the mom of three little ones that are five, four, well, sorry, almost four in a couple weeks and uh, just one. So these days that I feel like it's me, but it's me, you know, in this phase of life. So being a mom, being a business owner, um, supporting my husband in his role, I, a little background, I can go back about myself. So I am the oldest of 10 kids and we're all adopted. I grew up in Orlando and then moved to Utah and I've kind of been stuck here ever since which is not a bad thing. I love you, Chuck. Um, I did move away for a short period and moved to D.C. where I got my master's and met my husband because he was stationed at um, Fort Myer in the Army. And we met out there. And then um, once we got married, he was there for another 18 months before his time was up. And we debated quite a bit um, if he was going to re-up or even after he got out, he wanted to join the guard. And so we went through that three or four times. <laughs> and there's a little bit of a funny story with that too. But um, so most of my adult life, though, I've been living away from home and then our married life has been and he's been in the service of others and so I've tried the best that I know how to support him in that role and yet still feel um, confident I think in the life that we've chosen and feeling safe I think that's really a struggle sometimes mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about that transition what was that transition like going from army to law enforcement because he was only in it for 18 months which I mean there's really no only like you can be in the army for five seconds as a military spouse and experience a whole lot and I when I don't know that I knew what I was for you know so to say when we got married because um it wasn't in front of me as much and so granted, he, the unit he was in did not deploy, although he was told that they were a deployable unit. And so he decided to go there. Um, I have 
much, much respect and gratitude for the families that do deploy because I can't even imagine. I struggled when he was gone for like two weeks, you know, on trips. And um, so that's one thing that I'm grateful that he did not experience, but I'm so grateful for those that do. Um, I think the, for me, the biggest difficulty was that usually when he was in the army and was going to be gone, I had a warning. You know, I had plenty of time to kind of plan and mentally prepare myself. But when he transitioned to law enforcement, anything goes. And that's one thing. So when you apply to become an officer, the person doing his background check has to talk with a number of family members. And obviously, I was the first one. And he, really thrilled me and really asked me some tough questions to make sure that I would be supportive and that I would be okay that he with the fact that he would be in really difficult situations and dangerous situations and I remember answering the questions positively because I knew I had to in order for the, the rest of his interview process to go well but I remember in the back of my mind thinking this is real there's really no telling what he might come across any given day. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that transition, I think, was hard because even though he was in the army, he was still in a safe place because he didn't deploy. And whereas if he were deployed, same thing, anything could go. So making that transition to law enforcement officer, that Mentally, it was tough for me just thinking, okay, yes, I know he's on the street and he'll be making stops and he'll be going to calls and anything can happen. I don't know, that, that sense of security was gone. And, and then also knowing that he could, you know, usually he worked certain hours. And if something came up at the end of a shift, he would have to stay longer. Or um, now, being a detective, if something comes in that's really big, they either call everybody out, or they usually they all switch off one night out of nine, and, and they're on call. So if something comes in when it's his day to be on call, he's got to go out, no matter what time it is. And so especially now that we have a family and have things going on that at times can be really difficult too because you've got something planned and then all of a sudden it's oh dad can't join us because he has to go to work uh, we we have family that lives 30 to 40 minutes away and recently we were on our way down to a family event and we literally got like halfway there and he got a call that he had to go in and I just started falling and I mean I felt bad afterwards because he obviously feels bad too it's not that he wants to leave those family functions he doesn't want to miss out on those things but at the same time he has it you know it's his duty to the city that he serves to go in when they need him so those aspects were difficult and sometimes still are mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel you on especially that last one because 
Austin has, my husband Austin has a very different job compared to most soldiers because he's a chaplain. He is on call. Like there's that aspect. It's not like he ever really leaves work. And we have had so many of those call-ins or it always happened when like, like we've never quite had the, we were driving towards something, but it's like a family event was scheduled when he had to be gone for the weekend or something like for three years, it was 90% of the fun events were like scheduled in him. And so that really should be like a whole episode in and of itself. Just talking about, I need to find somebody who knows better how to handle that. Cause that is a really hard thing that we face where we just, we want them there and so we're sad because we want them there we want to have this memory with them they want to be there but then we both know that okay somebody needs him like but then we need him and it's just this endless circle endless circle but that's interesting because the other interesting thing i was thinking about is i've had a lot of people reach out on Instagram and Facebook and be like, it's been a lot of police wives. Like I'll have some post about something military or whatever. And they'll be like, Oh, I just admire you military wives so much. Like I could never do what you do. It's like, Oh no, no, no. I could never do what you do. You're it's, it's so interesting because we have so many similarities, but like, it, the timing of it is different because my husband is not getting shot at every day. Like at least not right now, <laughs> but it's like the, the daily things are you guys just deal with scarier things on a daily basis. So my hat goes off to you guys. Well, sadly, I feel like in recent years that has become more prevalent. Yeah. The violence towards police officers has increased so much. And I'm sure it's just that I wasn't paying as close attention when he wasn't. But I felt like, in my perspective, when he joined is when I started hearing about all of these shootings and so many officers being killed on duty. And I was like, really? This is what you want to come to? why <laughs> Somebody needs to be. exactly but at the same time like why <laughs> so yeah. it has been and it, again it probably is just that it's been in the forefront of my brain now because that's what he does but sadly i feel like across so many fields i don't know it's yeah well there definitely has been a shift even just like, especially in the last few years of just the general consensus, not being, um, trying to say this in the nicest way possible, but maybe I just won't say it in the nicest way possible because that's my personal opinion, but just not like a lack of decency and respect towards the law And I get that there are some people out there who do not do their job well and are not fair and are not respectful, but they're like taking it out on everybody when that's not acceptable because 
those officers have wives and husbands and families and husband and mothers, father and mothers, like they have families and they have loved ones that care about them. And even if they do make a mistake, that kind of action just is gross to me. But so I will say that there definitely has been a transition the last few years. So yeah, kudos to you guys. So I want to get into the goodness, although that was very interesting to hear. <laughs> um, so what happened in, cause you said you want to talk about how we're all in this together. What happened in your experience over the last, it'd be, it'd be what, seven and a half years now. Um, that got you to this conclusion that we are all in this together and what exactly does that mean that we're all in this together so to me that just means that we're all experiencing similar things we all have those feelings of doubt we all have those insecurities those um nights where you stay up and you worry about your loved one who's either in the military or um you know a first responder of any kind and I, I still have many nights where I feel like I am alone. And um, I feel like people just don't talk about it as much as we should, or maybe that we could. So um, within the department my husband is at, they have what's called the Fraternal Order of Police. So um, those that are in the um, agency can be a part of, and they have lots of benefits, but some of the things that they do is they put on events for families. And so just in talking with some of the other wives at those events, we came to realize, oh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, everybody has these experiences and has these emotions. Yet when you're sitting at home alone at night, you feel alone, you know, and I don't know. I just wish there were a way. So I'm really grateful for what you're doing, putting people's stories out there, because I feel like that allows us to connect on a deeper level. Um, I mean, social media is great in a lot of ways, but being able to hear people's voices and hear their tone and their intonation of when they're talking about things really makes it personal and it allows us to connect on a deeper level. Um, so even just sharing your story through social media or jumping on podcasts, listening to other people. I think at least for me, it gives me a sense of, okay, sometimes I feel like I'm a little crazy, but I'm not because <laughs> others are feeling the same way and I'm totally justified in feeling that emotion. So to me, that's what it means. It means that even if we don't know each other personally, I feel like, there is still a connection because I feel like it's something special. So not everybody chooses to serve others. Not everybody chooses to put their life on the line in one respect or another, or to, I mean, really in a lot of ways, they are putting others before themselves and their families. So not many people in the grand scheme of things choose that life. So I think that connects us, that we are all a part of this um, circle. And then again, just going through similar experiences and feeling those emotions. And I feel like people are starting to talk about it more. And that's really great. 
So yeah, to me, that's what it means. Just, I feel like a lot of times too, um, when there is a tragedy is when, and that goes for anything, but um, within our community, the law enforcement community, unfortunately here in Utah, we've had a couple of deaths this year already. And you see the outpour of love and compassion and outreach during those times. And um, I feel like for a brief moment, that connects us all just a little bit more. And then of course, people get busy with life and um, I wish that there were a way to remember, remember those times, how you felt in that moment of having sympathy for a family or feeling um, a connection towards them. Uh, my husband has gone with both of the, well, there have been two. So with both of these, um, the other agencies or jurisdictions have the opportunity to go stand guard. And he's had the chance to go do that and has talked about how humbling that it's been and in talking with the family, you know, the circumstances of the event and what they're going through, they feel the love from the community too. I think people forget that, um, at least I do, I forget that even outside of myself, outside of his city, you know, it's everywhere. There are families just like me, just like you everywhere. And so trying to remember that, I need for myself, I need to do a better job. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's knowing and feeling comfort in the fact that you're not the only one. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about while you were talking is, because like our circumstances are very different. I live on a military base and I like walk outside and there's other people that are experiencing very similar things to what I'm experiencing. Go to the grocery store and I'm surrounded by people who are experiencing like I have to go off base. And even then where we live, it's like almost all veterans and active duty just because this base is so huge. Whereas for first responder families, it has to feel a lot more secluded because like I'm assuming you would know maybe some of the families um, that work with your husband, but still like you're not, they're not your neighbors. Your neighbors are just normal civilians and aren't facing this on a daily basis. And I mean, just can't feel the same things that you're feeling. So how do you, um, how do you find yourself connecting and um, finding those people that you're all in this together? Is it like, do you mostly just rely on online or? Yeah, online. Um, so there are some, I mean, like yours, your Facebook group, and there are a couple of others that are tailored to law enforcement. Um, and then, like you mentioned, so knowing some of the other families of the officers that work directly with him is helpful. And I can um, meet up with those wives and we can have conversations and things. But then we don't even live 
in the same city that he works in. And so my immediate area, they don't know what he does. They, I mean, of course we have some friends that are in our area. So anytime I have a girl's night, I can vent to them, you know, and they're sympathetic, but they don't really know what it's like. And I don't know, and that thing, I don't know the other LEO wives in my area either. You know, I mean, I can spot out police cars and driveways and things, you know, but I'm not going to go knock on their door or whatnot. You should. I should. I should. Like, hey, I live in the area. I'm a law enforcement wife too. I understand. <laughs> Let's be friends. Let's be friends. No, maybe I should. But yeah, I mean, it, I feel like yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah, it's a little bit. But it shouldn't be. Shouldn't I know. Be. It I is, know. but it shouldn't be. I know. So yeah, mostly just uh, families of those that he works with or online. Yeah. Okay. And the, so how do you, because as you're telling this, you're saying like, I myself have a hard time remembering that I'm not the only one. How... When you're in those moments, are you able to kind of remind yourself um, or does it just kind of happen as, as you are listening to podcasts or reading things online? Like, do you just kind of have to engulf yourself in the community to, to remember or? Um, I'll be honest, it does not. <laughs> does not come easily for me in those moments. In those moments, mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I am totally alone and you are the only one on this case or on this call or whatever. Um, and then it's not until after the fact, the next morning or when he gets home late that we start talking and, the, and then I'm like, oh yeah, all the other detectives were out there too. So their wives are feeling the same way, you know? And, and reading things online and really engulfing in that afterwards. But I wish I could say that I were better at least. <laughs> that's something I'm working on. Yeah. Okay. So I've got, we've got one more topic that we got to talk about. So um, we need to talk about the, I'm going to say it wrong again. I'm like reading it and I can't. Terrible. <laughs> she's watching me and I'm like I just like I can't I'm reading it and it's not okay there there a v right oh therapy there a v okay I get it now that was not as hard as it needed to be guys okay so the there v um you guys are awesome. And so you've created this network. Okay, explain what it is. It's, it's a network of therapists? Yeah, so um, the idea, so I am, like you mentioned, a speech language pathologist, and I also have a private practice and do most of my stuff online. I see most of my clients online. And as I was talking with therapists and families, I realized they have a hard time connecting. They have a hard time finding each other. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, let's just try to help 
bridge that gap and try to connect them. So we built out first uh, an online classroom so that therapists can see their clients. And then we are just trying to connect those, those pieces. So families that say, hey, I have a family member that needs help in any area. So it could be speech, it could be mental health, it could be occupational therapy, physical therapy, behavioral therapy, really any type. Um, we have therapists that are able to help those clients and do it online. Mm-hmm. So it's an online network and then they can have therapy sessions online. Okay, guys, this is so cool because I feel like, and I got giddy when we were first started talking about it because I feel like the hardest part, not the hardest part, well, maybe though, because like one of the hardest things about being military specifically is that you move around a ton. And so every time you move, you have to find new doctors for everything which is a big pain in the rear end. It's like doctors and then hairstylists. I hate having to find both of those. It's a pain in the rear end because you do, like you connect with somebody, which therapy in any sorts, like even physical therapy, you want to connect, you want to be on the same level with that person. So this is so awesome because you can connect and then you can take take them wherever I'll go with you. <laughs> exactly. Literally, you could do it in the hotel room as long as you have a good service. So the one question I was most intrigued to ask is with therapy network or their V network, do you guys have marriage their marriage counselors? I should really know that. Or um anything with PTSD, like somebody that's focused on those? Yeah. So a lot of our psychologists, um, both. Okay. They, yeah. They have a whole list of things they can help. So awesome. It's around there. Okay. Guys, this is like an awesome resource because I know it's hard even just with the whole moving thing, but it's also hard just to, to talk to somebody about and I'm personally a fan of talking to people before it's um like something's broken like right don't wait for your marriage to be broken to go talk to somebody or don't wait for you or your spouse to be in a complete mental breakdown to reach out for help so that's awesome and we will be spreading that news all over the place because that is a great resource for everybody. Last question, my favorite of all. What is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? My key to thriving is, I mean, we've talked a lot about, um, especially the therapy, just communicating. So for me, um, stepping out of myself, those times where I'm feeling sorry for myself, where I'm like, oh, I'm alone in this. I, For me, it's best to talk about it. So talk about it with um, a family member who might be awake at three in the morning or, you know, um, talking. Sometimes I'm texting my husband when he's out. He may not even be responding at the time, but just being able to express myself in a safe place 
whether that is verbally or if that's written, help me. So otherwise, if I bottle it up, then it eats away at me. And so that's, and honestly, I was not very good at that before, expressing myself. And I don't know why I felt like people would look at me differently or feel like I was weak or something, which is totally silly. But it's something that I've had to learn about myself and get comfortable with doing. So for me, it's communicating. It's just letting it out. And then oftentimes, too, it allows us to have an open dialogue and he can, especially, maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes my thoughts are irrational. And so then he can totally help, you know, problem solve and make me realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been that worried or, you know, whatever it might be. But he helps me just talk through those things and for me, that helps. Or talking with friends, talking with people that, if you're on base, talking with a neighbor, or for me, it's talking with either a friend who knows of our situation or one of the other LEO wives, that that helps me. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that (laughs) you're not the only one having irrational (laughs) thoughts. like started writing today for Instagram about that because like that has been our week. I even like I've said that multiple times to my husband this week of like, I'm pretty sure I'm being irrational, but this is what I'm feeling. And it's hard. It's, it's hard to say that. Um, and luckily I've been blessed with a husband who has encouraged me over the years to express that more. Um, but yeah, you need to, and even it's okay to even say like, even if you have to say like, I'm pretty sure I'm being irrational here, but this is what I'm feeling. Like you got it. You got to just yeah, let it out. Like they're totally valid too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to act on them, but it's okay to say that you are like feeling this. I totally agree with that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on here. We finally got this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so good. Um, last thing, for people who want to connect with you, how should they do that? Yeah, so um, through social media, um, Therapy Network on Instagram and Facebook, or you can reach me via email at mikkel at therapynetwork.com. Okay. And we will put them in the show notes because she's a cool person to talk to, obviously, (laughs) as we just experienced. So awesome. Guys, check her out. Check their, their, the thing. I still am like messing it up. Check that out though. See if that is something that can help your family. Just look at it. Therapy is good for everybody. It's nice therapy. And... Everybody go dance to High School Musical and remember that we are all in this together. Is that, can we, can we say that that is the summary of this episode? I think so. That we, (laughs) (laughs) that we dance like High School Musical and shout out that we are all in this together. 
And even if it's when we're crying and we're sad, that's what you can do to make yourself happy. That's going to be my new go-to. I'm going to find, even if it's just that song, mm-hmm. write the video, play the video. Exactly. It's on YouTube. I can tell you that. We've played it many times in our house. Well, thank you so much, Mikkel. You Waiting Warriors, you guys have a great week. Keep going on. You are doing a great job. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hey, everyone. I have a favor to ask. If you have enjoyed this podcast, can you leave a review and subscribe? I promise it just takes a second and that will help more people find this podcast. Also, I'd love for you to join us in our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash The Waiting Warrior, click groups, and then The Waiting Warriors. Until next time, have an awesome day.